0: HD Smartcast. You are listening to a Radio One production brought to you by HD Smartcast.
1: This is Minding My Business:
2: The CEO Story with Ramesh Menon and Rishi K. Hey, welcome to a brand new radio show and podcast. It's Minding My Business, The CEO Story. And it comes to you on 94.3 Radio 1 on FM Radio and in podcast form on HD Smartcast and all the leading streaming services. This is a Radio 1 production. I'm radio and podcast host Rishi K. And let me welcome my co-host and all round good man, Ramesh Menon, CEO of HD Media Limited. Hey, Ramesh, how does it feel when I add quote-unquote podcast host to your incredible credentials? Excited?
1: Yeah actually uh, that's one more thing off my bucket list so I'm I'm loving it uh, excited Yes, and more than anything else, what excites me is really uh, we're going to be talking to uh, you know the best of business leaders who face some unique challenges and come out of it shining, and it also allows us to sort of pick their brains on how they did it, what they did, and really what the learnings are. I'm sure there'll be great insights for all of us as as listeners. So look forward to it, Rishi.
2: Through that. On that note, let's welcome our first guest. To me, is absolutely fab because he's built his brand to be a top talent destination while at the same time delivering the supply and revenue growth goals. You'd with me, Ramesh.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And also, he's led his team during the pandemic year. I'm sure transforming the business, not just financially, but also from a customer and brand perspective. So, it would be great listening to him. Lovely.
2: Please welcome Rohit Kapoor, Chief Executive Officer, India and Southeast Asia at OYO. What's up, Rohit? How are you doing? I hope the family and you are safe and healthy. Most important question.
0: Family is okay. Family is okay, but uh, I think these are very, very difficult times for all of us uh, and really spending a lot of time just uh, doing whatever I can and teams are on
1: it so these are unique times to be in. Hi Rohit, uh, lovely to have you here. I'm sure they are difficult times but I'm sure uh, we can use this time to sort of make sure that uh, we are talking to our uh, listeners and telling them what we've learned during this period. So let me start off with uh, you spent a decade with McKinsey and then eight years with Max. What are really the factors that drew you to a startup like Oyo? So
0: interestingly I... I I reimagine myself every five or seven years, right? Sometimes it's stretched to 10 in McKinsey, but that was too long. And I go to zero base all over again. I say if I've done something, it's not likely to be an extension of what I've done in the past. And OYO to me was a very exciting opportunity for three reasons. One, I truly wanted to test myself in a not a fast-paced environment, but a super fast-paced environment. Can I lead and follow there, right? Second, I think I think, Oyo, I met the leadership. I met Ritesh and I met the entire leadership team, and I thought these are a fantastic set of people to work with. And third is, if you if you look at uh, a lot of startups, I can Oyo can genuinely claim to be a model which was born in India and went global, as opposed to many companies which were born somewhere else and came to India. So truly a homegrown startup Born in Gurgaon Today you can travel the world And see the brand somewhere So these three things Are super exciting
2: for me I buy that And uh, but what is of particular interest Is from hospitality to co-living I mean the CEO story Also talks about the road Or the path that you've traversed To become CEO And in that aspect That phase Oyo did the full wingspan Didn't it? Uh, co-living in particular What is so attractive About uh, about this space Roy? So
0: look so One fact about myself i consider myself to be a true generalist right i have in my career worked in 15 or 16 industries either worked directly or consulted for them so i genuinely am different in that sense uh, and i enjoy it that way but coming to the space three things are very exciting one is Forget about what is happening right now. But travel experiences overall are a big theme in everybody's life. Travel is a huge, huge category. So is housing or any form of accommodation in India. So we are in a in a short-term blip for like a year or so in terms of macro dynamics. But these are very large categories. You can build large businesses. And I enjoy categories where you have the potential of creating truly large businesses on the back of product and technology.
1: I understand the, you know, the affordability, convenience, etc. of poor living spaces. But in your experience, are young professionals, students and sometimes even young married couples renting from all your life, or you know, are they willing to forego conveniences like larger space or more private space, or what you have to offer?
0: Look, I think uh, my own one realization in life has been never imagine yourself to be a customer. Right, the biggest mistake we make. There are. I think 40 or 50 million people who move cities in India every year, either for studying or for their first job or second jobs, right? So if you imagine the person who's coming from Allahabad to Bangalore, first time stepping out of the house, can they pay 10 months rent as deposit? No. Their parents can't afford it? They can't afford it. They're in the first job. Do they want to be in the center of the city? Yes. Do they want an affordable accommodation? Yes. So, I think the needs that they have and the price point that they wanted is a huge market. Much, much bigger than many markets that we are familiar with.
2: You know, you're so right. I mean, my biggest dread as a bachelor years ago was the deposit amount that landlords are going to ask of me. And, you know, there, there used to be minor panic attacks of, of you know, entering those meetings with the broker saying, boss, deposit, how much Post the outbreak of the pandemic, I've been hearing that staycations have become huge, Rohit. Are you on the ball as far as staycations are concerned? Tell us your solutions on that particular front.
0: So you're absolutely right, Rishi. What we saw was uh, across, across markets, so Delhi, Jakarta, Kuala Lumpur, many markets, we saw in-city demand go up significantly. So let's say if the proportion was X of people who are in-city staying in the same city, that went up by like 40, 50% in many cities. The reason is simple. One, people were a little hesitant to travel out to long distances. Second is, I think budget and economic value hotels for many people out of very complex uh, space problems. So imagine a couple living in a joint family just wanting 2-3 days, you know, to themselves or, you know, we have so many use cases of, not in these times but prior to the pandemic of students wanting to watch a football match and they'll book an a OYO in Bangalore to watch a football match for a few hours. So we also have a product called Power Break where you can use an OYO for 6 hours, right? Just go and hang out and it's also used by travelers a lot when they come in from a city, right? And they have to do a quick wash and change, right? And you don't want to pay the full day's rent for that. or a... So those use cases in staycations are becoming huge. So,
1: uh, let's go to the lockdown a bit. I'm sure your business was impacted as well, uh, like most uh, hospitality businesses. So, when the first lockdown hit, uh, it couldn't have been easy, right? I mean, struggling for answers. What was your, your business plan at that point of time? What did you do? What worked and what didn't? And what are your learnings that we can use now? So, what is it that we can take from your learnings?
0: I think uh, one humble admission is that like everyone else, we did not have a playbook for this once in a century situation, right? You imagine businesses playbook saying if revenues go down by 15%, 20%, what's plan B, plan C. You don't imagine that for 70, 80% drops or complete shutdowns in some markets, right? Those are it. Are, absolutely, there's no playbook. So when March of last year, when that happened, I think... The only thing which gave me a lot of confidence was week one i told all my functional leaders and team saying let's all of you come back to the individual plans on what's the response going to be for your functions and in one week's time astonishingly everyone came back saying this is how we'll manage our functions right we added that all up and we realized we have a, some sort of a loose playbook going so three four three four big learnings one was we moved very fast we did not wait for perfection because none existed second is I think consumer and partner patterns were changing so fast that any data which was three months old was practically useless. So we started from the consumer side this project called Project Hello, right? Where all senior management used to talk to 10-15 customers a week directly. And you know, simple thing like the same customer saying in May of last year saying I don't think I'll travel for next one full year. In June, the same customer saying I'm looking forward to my vacation in July. Because as the macro changed, their sentiment changes very quickly. So that was the second thing. And the third thing was when, and this is something I believe in, when the storm hits the seas, the fishermen don't sleep. The best one repair their nets. So what we did was we went back and said, what all did we wanted to do for last two, three years, but never got a chance because we so busy. So we fixed product, tech, we took customer problems, we took partner problems and said, we will improve these outcomes by 80%, 90%, not by 10, 15%. And some of them really happened. So we spent the downtime during that period, really building a much better company. And so when it started opening back in October, we saw an immediate benefit on revenue, on supply, on costs. And also it gave a mission to the team. You know, it, that's a big part of the job. Saying, does a team really understand the mission in these times? And personally, I think the other personal leadership tip uh, which I learned from many people and used was I cleaned up half my calendar for mall meetings and used that every day to directly call leaders and say, Catch chalba, what, what are you feeling? How are things? Can I help? I mean, that was helpful. I liked that when others did that to me. And, and I think that was super helpful because people uh, wanted some navigation help. Much more than they'll use in normal
2: times. I love that analogy about the fisherman and his nets. That's something I'm going to use. (laughs) You better copyright these things, Rohit. (laughs) Otherwise, media people use it in quotable quotes in other shows. (laughs) I I love how you've been nimble as far as partners near hospitals are concerned, and also how you've reacted to Indians coming home from abroad, having to quarantine. All of that is concerned, and you've got to give us the details on that.
0: Yeah, so so uh, there are, I think there two parts to it, uh, Rishi. One is what we did last year, but what we're doing this year is even bigger, right? Because the challenge is bigger. So three things. One, we, during that period, we partnered with, I think, more than 30 hospitals, state governments. The simple reason that time was the the healthcare providers, remember, they were not vaccinated. So the fear was much more in that community. So they wanted safe places to stay next to the hospital. They're working 15, 16, 18 hours. One big use case. Second was isolation and quarantine centers, right? And third was more than 75,000 Indians who came back stayed with us in the Vande Bharat mission. So that was big, but we are going even bigger because I think the challenge this time that we are facing is order of magnitude different from last year.
1: That's brilliant. I mean, that's scale. You're you're big on tech. You just told us at the beginning of this conversation and uh, I'm sure your organization has really, uh, you know, uh, up to its uh, game on tech in the last year you said right what's it that you've been working on uh what has worked uh, for you on the tech side in building your partner relationship customer relationships anything that you can tell us
0: i'll give you uh, best way to illustrate is give examples right because we develop product and tech in three different ways one is which can unlock new patterns of revenues for our partners right second is can solve their biggest problems. And third is on the consumer side, whatever the opportunities and challenges they have, can we use product tech to solve it in a big way? So let me use a couple of examples. As a tech product platform, we actually manage the pricing for all our hotels through machine learning and algorithms. Now what happens is that works 90% of the time or 80% of the time very, very well, much smarter than me and you can price it based on intuition or local data. But let's say there is snowfall in Shimla. And suddenly there's demand surge there in normal times. Now the local partner notices that much faster and they modulate prices accordingly. And a constant request was, can we manage some of this pricing? So instead of ticket-based, like every time you ask me and I'll change prices, we made a tool called Tariff Manager, which they could use on the app. So every partner has an app where everything is on that app. They don't do anything apart from that they could move pricing within a range and then the system from the back can actually give them feedback saying your decisions are it accretive or not to your revenue. One example. Second is we moved our entire or not entire we made a, smooth, a substantial part of our customer help to chatbots. Almost 80%. Now, the big play there is that it is instantaneous. You don't have to wait for a contact center person to pick up and, you know, hand over to other people to solve. So, 80% volumes move there. So, many examples of products like this, which are there, and we fundamentally think of this way, that if there's a problem which is happening across or an opportunity, we don't now solve it by saying, let's put 10 more people to work on that. We say, let's fix it for the short term, but now let's create a tech product which can at scale solve it.
2: Yeah, that's another great analogy there on, on snowfall in a particular part of the country. You know, Rohit, as a media person, I've always been curious. You know that these large film and TV crews and web series units, they come in with their, uh, you know, largest crew, yet want to be isolated in their own bubble. So it's really a, a Catch-22 situation. Yeah, are your business plans also gearing up for that particular segment? Because you know the Netflixes and the Amazons of the world are still doing releases. You know they're putting people into bubbles and and creating those series. So your thoughts?
0: Yeah. So uh, again, this is slightly prior to April situation where things were. COVID time was going on, but slightly more normal, if I can say that. We've served more than 100 production houses, right? In doing exactly what you're saying is, take their entire crew units, dedicate hotels to them, provide the F&B, and, you know, and they have even managers now who ensure that their entire unit stays within that bubble for the period of time. I think what is fascinating is not just production houses, so many use cases for hospitality have emerged beyond travel, in these times and people have realized that it's a think of a hotel room in, in a different way if you want a real estate for two months which is yours this is the only real estate which comes to you on a per day basis there's no deposit there's no lock-in you have fnb going wi-fi is working and you pretty much that's all you need to operate today so in remanaging hotel use cases i think the team has done a brilliant job and every day i get more ideas on what can be done there
1: that that really takes us to move people right i mean uh, they're the ones beyond the tech they are the ones who are uh, running the business and sort of you know making all of this happen and giving you the insights and giving you the feedback from the ground so what's your uh you know what kind of people do you look for and what's the kind of talent that you recruit in? Oil?
0: so uh, we have uh i think one thing we're enormously proud of is the uh, talent that we have we have more ivy league colleagues than i've seen in any other company. We have have a very good bunch. Let me put it this way, simply. I I think we look for two or three things. One is significant amount of resilience. When something hits you, do you get phased or do you take charge? Second is huge amounts of ability to influence and work with people around you. There's absolutely no solo heroes in the company. They can't be. It doesn't work like that. And third is what I call solid first principle thinking. Rather than complicating it with too much theory, can you take a problem, break it down into parts and do something about it, get going, right? I mean, those are two or three traits. So, essentially, people who take charge are resilient and can work with other people brilliantly, is a simple three-line statement.
2: Nice. I find it fascinating that during this whole COVID crisis, OYO actually launched your own prepaid wallet-based system. What is the main motive behind that particular launch, Rohit, and how does it really work? Most importantly, how is it faring?
0: So again, came from a partner request of saying, you know, reconciliation is a bit more complex than we already understand. We said, okay, let's reimagine this completely. Why do we have this system? And just to give a sense, OYO technology for the hotel partner is a one-stop shop. They don't need anything else once they have the software. But what we did was we said, okay, let's do this. It's like, take a wallet. You put in the money. It's a small deposit you put in initially. Now, all the recon happens in that deposit. So, all the check-ins, check-outs, every balance you can see happens in that. And live, you can see your balance, which is running. And it falls below a certain level, you have to put it back in. So we And we put this entire transparency back in the hands of the partner. So, in the partner app, you can see this not daily. You can see the present status by the art right so reconciliation which is a once in a month effort is gone is as transparent as it
1: can get that's 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 brilliant so as a as a business leader uh, what's your philosophy on this and in, in dealing with uh, partners and uh, you know customers they have a lot of complaints they just don't have feedback they really you know complain right and i'm sure your business is as uh, you know has the same problem so what's your philosophy on dealing with all of this stuff
0: my philosophy is uh, three simple things. One is, uh, if there's a partner or a customer complaint, don't judge the partner or customer. Do your job. Treat that as the truth unless proven otherwise. Uh, because a lot of people get defensive saying, no, no, this is not like this. We actually did this very well, but uh, maybe he didn't understand or she didn't understand, right? But if they didn't understand, it's our communication problem. Let's fix that. Right? Second is, I think it takes a lot to understand the unset part of the problem. Because often we look at the symptom and try and solve that. But if you are able to call that person and say, tell me what happened and ask the four why's, why are you feeling this way? What happened? Why, why did this not happen? You get to understand the root cause much better and you fix that. The symptom automatically goes away. So a good team. there. just thinking about that helps. And third is, I think huge amounts of humility saying we are completely less than perfect things will break. We will make mistakes and, but we'll make newer mistakes. Hopefully we'll not make the old mistakes. And when we make mistakes, all of us come together fastest to solve it and move ahead.
2: Lovely. I love humility being at the cornerstone of, of any business. That's really wonderful. So, you see, both of you are business leaders, you're CEOs, so you must allow me. (laughs) to take my own detour because we are on-ground media we love our lifestyle questions so Rohit, we're going to do some lifestyle questions with you you're a cyclist so tell us about the cycling long-distance cycling short-distance cycling and what's a cycling track? I wish India had more of them what's a cycling track in India or abroad that uh, you loved uh, getting on?
0: So look, I I cycled a lot uh, and the most memorable trip is of course I cycled from Manali to Leh for 9 days in 2017 that, that, that was tough I don't think I'll do it again but, uh, but it was fascinating and uh, my most fascinating was the preparation part so uh, just to let you know a fun secret like uh, in Gurgaon it's very hard to cycle during the day because of the heat as well as the traffic right so the daily regimen during the 3 months of prep was sleep at 8.30 at night wake up at 2.30 hit the road by 3 in a group of like 10-12 of us and we used to do 3 to 7.30 every morning for 3 straight months and then take a shower and, and hit the office so I think more than uh, the Ladakh trip which I remember vividly I think I do take inspiration from that prep period and it was not my my uh, I'm not the types who do all this there was a very good friend and sort of a motivator who will call at 2.15 to make sure we are up and you know shake us up every day to do this so uh, you need somebody like that in your life
1: That, that that's really inspiring I mean, I'm sure uh, you also have a lot of uh, business leaders you're inspired by right Your friend, of course, but uh, others who have motivated you with their words or whatever else.
0: If I had to think beyond OYO, I think the one person I really, really admire is Uday Kutak. I think uh, if you look at what he's built over time as a fantastic value-led franchise. And more importantly, I've had the good fortune of knowing some of his leaders in the team who work directly with Uday. And every time I met them or spoke to them, I felt they owned the company. Like Uda is a, is there, but they also own the company. And that feeling after so many years of we being in the organization is truly unique. So, if any leader has been able to create that kind of camaraderie, uh, I, I think that uh, says a lot about the leader.
2: Nice. Tell us about your family life. Uh, what are things that you and your kids like to do together in your in your time off?
0: Time off uh, is a. I think time in is is a. Better concept nowadays, like you have to squeeze time in rather than take time off all the time. So, both kids are golfers. So, daughter actually has played at the international level, she played the world championship, US kids. So, I caddied for them many, many years. So, I travelled the world caddying for my kids and uh, I think that's great bonding, it's it's great fun.
1: That's fabulous. I'd love to caddy for my son someday. My
0: wife wife is a horticulture, she runs her own gardening business. So, uh, I think she uses me as part-time labour. Uh, like uh, so uh, and the privilege I have is like uh, watering her plants or carrying pots to her client site and I have done like s- stuff like that very often.
1: Brilliant. What about a book that's uh, or books that have had great impact on
0: you? Many. I think uh, Fountainhead is one of them. I think uh, the, the style of writing where each character is almost penciled out so beautifully that you can think imagine that character in your if you close your eyes. Uh, and Ayn Rand has that had that uh, amazing ability. But uh, more uh, recent, I think, not not so recent, but uh, Freedom at Midnight, I think Dominic Lapierre has a unique ability to mix some kind of fiction with rooted in history of the times. And many of his books like O Jerusalem, that genre is very fascinating.
2: You know, the thing about The Fountainhead is that if you read it every few years, your perspective on the characters change. <laughs> what you thought of Howard Roark five years ago is different from what you think of him now. Likewise for Dominique or any of the other characters. So it's really a fantastic book in that aspect. I'm sure you'd agree with me. What kind of music do you listen to, Rohit? What's on your playlist? Uh, any music concert that you went to during your student days or now recently when things were normal that you really enjoyed?
0: love Sufi. I love uh... Faiz's Hum Dekhenge is my favourite song, I think, uh, and probably very relevant for the times, yeah.
1: Yeah, and a, a sport other than golf, I must say, that uh, you love, you know, a favourite player in any sport that you like.
0: I will say Tendulkar and, and let me add why, right, because there are so many contenders to that, right. I think he, he came at a time when there was not much hope in Indian sport. And he alone provided us hope for close to a decade, which is very hard for people to appreciate now. And they say, oh, he did not win so many matches for us, etc. But if you remember the time he operated and the kind of batting he had with in front of him and behind him. And he kept his composure as a human being for two decades after coming as a 16-year-old. That's fascinating. He was 16 when he played for India. It's it's mind-boggling.
2: True that, true that. My last question, our last question has got to be your favorite vacation spot and why you love going there.
0: New Zealand is uh, is amazing. but I And why I love it, I think uh, it's a, almost an amalgamation of Scotland, Switzerland and all the beautiful places you've seen in one place, all together. But in India, I think one thing that's happened from last, uh, I've traveled about 15,000 kilometers by road in India. And I have rediscovered India in the last year. More than probably I had in the last five ten years. And, uh, and Madhya Pradesh to me was a big revelation. Uh, there's some beautiful places.
2: Rohit, we can't thank you enough for being on Minding My Business, the CEO story and really patiently and sportingly answering all our queries.
1: Thank yeah. you. Thank you for me. So all the stuff that you talked about, the um, insights that you gave us, so I'm sure they'll linger on and people who listen to us will love it as well. Thank you Rohit. Thank you. Thank you and stay safe everyone. Stay
2: safe. So Ramesh, I've got to say that you've made quite a smashing debut as a radio and podcast
1: host. How are you feeling? I've loved it and I'm I'm glad that I'm giving you guys some competition. I mean, people like you, you know, I've always, uh, you know, you have made it out as if it's a very difficult job to do. No, now I realize it's not that difficult a <laughs> job. <And>, uh, <laughs> I've never been, No, know, I can't wait for next week and our new next business leader. Till then, stay healthy, stay safe, all you guys, and make sure you keep listening to some great radio and podcasts on Minding My Business. Thank you, Rohit.
2: Yeah. Minding my business, the CEO story shall be back with another captain of the industry who's pushed the envelope. Remember, you can catch us on 94.3 Radio 1 on FM radio and on HD Smartcast in podcast form over all major streaming platforms. This is a Radio 1 production. So till next week, it's bye from me, Rishi K. And me, Ramesh Men.
1: Thank you. See you. Good, thank you. Thanks okay. for that.
0: This was a Radio 1 production brought to you by HD Smartcast.
1: HD Smartcast.